following podcast has not been rated. saying this every couple of months but uh back from the dead uh, the fact is going to air again and hopefully all five of you out there listening are gonna appreciate this episode got uh the chad chef chad wells coming back to the show chef how the hell are you good man how you doing cj glad to finally get the time to get back at this yeah i concur with that uh both of our lives have been in hell for the past couple of weeks so uh things slowing down there in the culinary industry or no uh, no, it's definitely not slowing down. It's, it's, it's busy. It's booming. Um, you know, as most people probably don't know, uh, opened a new restaurant with some really great people, um, back in October and it's been, uh, it's been wild. You know, we're exceeding expectations as far as, uh, volume and service and it's been really, really good. But, you know, as a chef, that also means that it's really, really tiring, but I can say, thankfully I did not miss one Ravens game this year. And that is hard for a chef to say that I did not miss one Ravens game. Shit, it's it's hard for an adult to say, especially uh, hell in my position, being out in the. Um, I can't really talk about my job too much, but being in the, I can't talk about my job industry. Um, it's it's really hard to say the same. I, I actually almost missed the damn 49ers game, but I streamed it during one of the classes I had to go to. Hey man, you're lucky you're able to do that. You know, it is it is nice that we get to. Uh, with the different apps and things that we have now that we can even watch them when we're not at home. Oh goodness. I probably would have just hooked class if I didn't have the ability to do it, to be honest with you. Hey man, I wouldn't have missed that game for anything. Right. It was pretty damn good. I think it ended what 20 to 17, something like that. Yeah, it was a, that was a killer game, killer game. And you know, the 49ers, they looked like a Super Bowl team on that Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, so did the Ravens, but uh, only one of them is, is there. And you know, that was a game that many people thought was going to be the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, a lot of people were uh, predicting a rematch of Super Bowl 42. That would have been fucking awesome 12 years later, but uh, it was not to be. But that team definitely had has something going on. We're going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl matchup coming up in a little bit. But like we were talking about with the Ravens here, the uh, let's go ahead and get this out of the way now. You and I are pretty diehard Ravens fans, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So we had a hell of a season, didn't we? A regular season? Absolutely, but I get my I told you so moment, CJ. You have to let me have this. When uh, Before the season started, we did our way too early predictions. Who did I say mm. was winning the division? You did say the Ravens. And who did I say was going to be a badass this season? Lamar Jackson. Brandon? That's all I'm going to say. Brandon? <laughs> called me out. I get this. Lamar Jackson was an absolute stud. We talked about this. I think you, me, and Tyler talked about this in one episode. 
where I said I thought Lamar Jackson was going to be an animal this year. I thought that he was going to take the next step and that NFL teams are just not built to stop a kid like this. Um, he was better than I expected. I don't think there's anybody. Um, I don't think there's any pundit or any person who's an expert outside of the Ravens organization that expected this kid to be that good. And man, it, it was a special year, man. I, I don't know that football has seen anything like this in a long time. And it, it's really great as a Ravens fan that, we have a true superstar right now. I mean, you know, this, this kid is like Michael Jordan and cleats, you know, everybody, everybody loves Lamar right now. It's just amazing to see. And it's cool to be a part of, and it's been cool to witness, you know, I don't know that they'll replicate this ever again and it's unlikely, but, but God damn it. It was an awesome season this year. All right, Chad, make sure you have your uh, health insurance card ready because I'm sure we're gonna have to take you to the emergency room with you breaking your arm, patting yourself on the back there. But, um, Hey man, I, I I broke my arm fist pumping. Yeah, plenty of times this season, man, uh, especially that stretch towards the end where we were just blown out motherfuckers. Yeah, man. And, and uh, you know what? The sweetest one, CJ, and we got to we got to be there was that the Patriots game. That was, oh, man. It was unreal. It was unreal. I've never been to I've been to a lot of games being a season ticket holder, but that stadium was on fire that night. I mean, it was unbelievable. It. it it was a total playoff atmosphere in there. And then, you know, the actual playoff game was even more electric, uh, you know, until it happened. Yeah. So um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Chef and I went to the Ravens Patriots game. It was a Monday night game and it was quite exciting. I, it was it was nighttime. It, it was, we were it wearing was a Sunday night, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Um, that was my first SNF uh, last two seasons ago. We went to the. Uh, the game against the Texans that was Monday night. So, all right, uh, got that off my bucket list. Now all I need really is a uh, four o'clock game and a Thursday night game. But um, nonetheless, uh, we went to this game and man, we were sitting in front of some Patriots fan like what uh, about five of them behind us. Oh yeah, man they they were they were the most cocky sons of bitches before the game and halfway through. I remember. You remember the guy made that shitty comment to me? I took a picture of the two of us, and he was like, I remember my first football game. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the game, and I turned around and said, hey, let me take a picture of the first time you got to see him lose. And he said, fuck you, and said, take the picture. I still have a picture of my phone of those dudes giving us the finger, and then I have a picture in the phone of me and you both giving them the finger and them, like, with their heads down at the end of the game. Because I remember they talked shit to us non-stop I, it must have been what by the it was like mid fourth quarter when they were fine like all right this game's over guys yeah i just remember they were uh it, when we were up 14 to nothing they were saying you just watch we're gonna come back and i'm thinking in the back of my head i've seen them do it before but um as i went to turn around as we were blowing that ass out uh, i was went to talk shit and they were gone well you know what early in this raven season man it was very discouraging. You know, they had the the three games. Everybody likes to talk about the big two where they gave up a thousand yards of offense. And the game that bothered me a lot, um, you and I were there, um, was the Arizona game. Yeah. Week one of the season. I, I thought that they, from that game, I said, this, this team looks bad. This is, this is scary. Like they, they didn't look good. They, you know, their defense was horrific. Uh, they were there was injuries everywhere. They still had uh, Kenny Young at linebacker, 
And after those three games, you know, I that game, and then we had the we had their ass kicked by the Browns. They got beat by the Chiefs. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, I never thought that our offense would be putting up yards because the offense was putting up a lot of yards. They weren't scoring as much as you would ex- you would think they would, but they were putting up you know crazy yards. And the defense was horrific. I mean, they gave up almost 1,500 yards of offense in three weeks. And, uh, you know, it's a testament to DaCosta and to Wink Martindale. Like, the, the moves they made were minor. You know, they got guys off the street, and they turned the whole damn thing around instantly. Yeah, those inside linebackers that we picked up, uh, the one that used to be on our team, Bynes, turned out really well. And then what was it, Fort? Yeah, F-R-R-P. Fort and uh, Giad Ward. Was another one yeah. they they got Parnell McPhee back, and I think he ended up getting injured. Um, yeah, you know, and in that little stretch, you know, they got Jimmy Smith back. Um, you know, it seemed, yeah, it seemed like uh, you know they picked they traded for Peters. It seemed like Earl Thomas started to finally put it to put the pieces together. Um, you know, I think Wink did a tremendous job disguising the fact that you know they've really had no pass rush. I mean we don't know how good Judon actually can be because he had no help. And, you know, I, I, if I had to guess today, I would say that Judon is either getting franchised or he's gone, but you know, he was really the only true weapon they had of getting to the quarterback off the edge. And Wink did a really good job disguising some of these blitzes throughout the season and making it, making it easier for our secondary. And, and, you know, they, they did a great job with coverage sacks and things of that nature because uh, without doing that, there's no chance they're getting to the quarterback with the people they had on the edge. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you just got to think here, some of the moves that were made with some of our starters either being traded, uh, getting injured. Uh, honestly, the second string helped out even more. So uh, just think about it. We got a six-round pick in Chuck Clark. I think, honestly, he was the un hero of the team i i agree with you completely the whole team turned around when they put the green dot on him yes and for those of you that don't know the green dot is the communication helmet so uh the defensive coordinator or whoever is on the sidelines making the calls out to the uh to the defensive captain or the defensive um helmet is in charge of actually receiving the communications it's it's one way you can't talk back to them because that would be fucking hilarious just sitting there arguing with the guy and <laughs> on the field but um yeah, Chuck Clark got it uh, for the first couple weeks. It was one of the uh, inside linebackers. I think it was Kenny Young, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they had it on Kenny Young at one point. Uh, man, and he was a player that I had high hopes for, and he just, man, he he did not even come close to meeting expectations at middle linebacker. They put, you know, Peanut in, and middle linebacker is clearly not his thing. You know, he's a clearly a weak side guy, and he did really well over there. I still think that, Going forward, their linebacking core leaves quite a bit to be desired. I mean, they have nobody who can set the edge. Nobody. It's very true, especially if uh, Judon's going to be leaving. Um, But I do agree with you. If we are going to use the franchise tag or the transition tag, which, by the way, you can use both as part of the collective bargaining agreement, um, we're going to go ahead and use it on Judon if we don't get a deal done. But we could also let him walk at the same time. We might just... uh, click the reset button on the edge and see what we can do in the draft or in, um, in the free agency. I, I don't know. I, I have very mixed, mixed feelings about that. I, I feel like Judon has been a tremendous player for us. He's been a really good guy. I don't, I don't firmly believe that Judon is elite. I mean, I think he's shown like a lot of signs of being like a top guy. And we, and we also, 
you know, to be fair, we've never seen him with help on the other side. Um, you know, we saw him with a, with a beat down Terrell Suggs last year. Um, you know, this, this season is just finishing. We really didn't see much except for pressure up the middle from Williams and Pierce. Uh, Pierce is another one. I think he's gone. Uh, I'm not going to miss him too much, to be honest with you. Um, but I think that using the franchise tag on him on one side, I feel like using the franchise tag on him might be a good move only because we don't know if we have anything else. And if we lose him and they can't replace him because they like, let's face facts here, the pass rushers they've gotten in the past two drafts have not panned out the way we expected. Um, we all know that. So it's almost like since Zadarius Smith, you know, when we lost him, you know, we did have him with Judon for a little bit. And I just, I think that letting him go without a replacement is going to be problematic. And I think that trying to depend on the draft with a late draft pick is going to be tough too, especially when there's so many other needs, because there are some gaping holes in this team. Well, there certainly are, especially looking at offensive line. We've got to look at, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to retain uh, Mr. Ingram next year. I hope we can. God, he was such a big boost, but um. Looking forward to the uh, seeing what the offseason brings with a whole bunch of these free agents hitting the market, uh, seeing what we could pick up. But uh, as, as far as the edge rush, man, it's it's been terrible. But to go back to one thing that you were talking about with Terrell Suggs, I wouldn't necessarily say he was beat down. He's just been meeting the quota that he has for probably the past five or six years. And this is just my uh, stance on how he has been playing. He comes out of the gate swinging. Uh, for the first, like, maybe 10 games, he's fucking elite. He's I'll, say, I'll say it's six games, max. It's six to 10. I'll go with you on that. Uh, I'll meet you in the middle somewhere. So it's six to 10. He's kicking ass. He's getting sacks. You're talking maybe he's defensive player of the year, but then he gets tired because he's we're not. He's the only player that was with the Ravens that we didn't go with the Ravens mentality on of rotating him out. He was damn near on every down out there. You know what, though? I think that a lot of that mentality has come with Wink Martindale, though, because we have seen, you know, with with defensive coordinators in the past, especially, you know, Dean Pease during the Super Bowl season, there were players that did not belong on that field that were kept on the field solely because of who they were. You know, Ray Lewis was very rarely pulled out um, in that in 2012. And Ray Lewis was an outright liability. And. Yeah. Anyone who watches the game, I you know he's my favorite player. Uh, I love watching him play in his prime. He's one of the best linebackers or even best defensive players I've ever seen, arguable the best. But he was a liability. We can go to another person uh, who is the best, is the best, and I'll say it over and over again, the best safety to ever play the game, Ed Reed, was a liability his final two seasons with the Ravens, and they played him on nearly every snap. I think Terrell Suggs got that same benefit of saying, all right, he is a veteran presence that no one in their right mind would disrespect their presence. You know what I mean? But we saw that when people had the balls to do it, it was a problem. You know, we watched Michael Vick destroy Ed Reed one time. I think that was uh, 2011, maybe 2012. Um, But nobody wanted to test the guy because, you know what, you throw at him enough times or you throw into his area enough times, eventually you're going to get picked off. You know it's yeah. going to happen here or there, but you could take the risk. Um, I think Terrell Suggs was that same type of player until last season 
for some reason, he was the one they kept on the field a lot. And that also may have been to disguise the fact or to just help the fact that there was nobody better even when he was run down. Because I'm not going to ever take anything away from Suggs. That guy's a Hall of Famer. He's an animal. You know, but at the end of the day, you do have a guy who wears out. And when he wears out, he's a liability. And anybody's a liability. Father Time's undefeated, and we all know this. Yes, very much so. And we're going to cover a little bit of Father Time undefeated in just a couple minutes. But as far as uh, going back to the uh, the old Dean P scheme, uh, the only rotations that I can recall us doing consistently, especially during that Super Bowl season, we did rotate out a defensive line quite a bit. Yeah, the D line has always moved, always. And the other edge rusher uh, was always rotated out too. So you you always he, he wasn't there that year, but we always rotated like Doomerville and. Uh, Courtney Upshaw, we rotated those guys. We would rotate kind of the pass rush specialists, it seems like. But at the same time, this is, you know, the past two years have been a little bit different because I feel like these past two years have been the first, maybe three. uh, I have to go back and look at the roster, but maybe these past two to three years are the first years where the Ravens really didn't have that luxury guy that was just kind of sitting there that they knew they wouldn't be able to re-sign who goes to another team and sucks but for some reason could just mash people when he was with us. Um, you know, we've, we've seen that a lot over the years. You know, Paul Kruger, let's look at that guy for a second. That guy wasn't worth shit, but he could get to the fucking quarterback when he was fresh. And he's the type of guy that, you know, we haven't had a lot of those. And in in, where, as in previous years, we've had a lot of these like luxury pass rushers just kind of laying around that was somebody we picked up in the draft because our drafts were better than they are now. And, you know, I'm not going to knock DaCosta because we really haven't seen much of what he's done. And what we have seen has been tremendous. But, you know, we didn't really have that luxury guy sitting around. So maybe that's why, you know, this changed a little bit and we weren't rotating as much. Where I, where I see that what Wink Martindale does that I think is really nice, he rotates everything. You know, his players are pretty much always fresh unless he can't get them off the field. And, and it seems like the way that they've played this season, you know, the defense was always fresh. You know, they were the Ravens. If they wanted to hold the ball, they were going to hold it for nine minutes and get away with it, you know? And so when it came to the defensive side, they could just do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. And they were constantly fresh. And that's something that we have not seen in a couple of years in Baltimore, especially a corner. And we have never had corners like we do now. No, there's not many teams that have had corners like Baltimore has right now. And, you know, there's been a lot of miscommunications and errors, um, you know, is now a good time to talk about Marcus Peters? Yeah, go ahead. Feel free. Man, I got to say, when they picked him up, I, I was skeptical. I, I'm more skeptical now. I'm, I'm more skeptical now than I was then, to be honest with you. Um, in coverage, is he is he as good as Jimmy Smith? In coverage, I would say he's, uh, in zone coverage, I'd say he's pretty damn good. Um, when given the right scheme, he is uh, he's he's a playmaker. But you've brought this up before. I've noticed it before. When you're asking him to tackle, to cover the run, to just go after the person with the ball, even if he's not on your side of the field, just try to track the other person down and tackle him, you can't get much out of him. Uh, but if you need a pick six every once in a while, God damn it. Guess who's there? Yeah. But I almost feel as if I feel like down the stretch with him, 
don't get me wrong. He's a tremendous pickup for we, you know, we traded Vedvik to the Vikings for a fifth round pick, which fuck them. That was a dumb move on their part. They take him and then we traded that fifth round pick to um, the Rams and got Peters. I'm totally good. We, the Ravens clearly exceeded uh, the value of that fifth round pick and got Marcus Peters. There's no question in my mind there. And the guy did have what two pick sixes, but I feel like maybe, and maybe it's just what they've had to do with the talent they had this year around him. But I just, I, I generally felt like if he were in, if he was in coverage and he got beat on a route, he just gave up immediately. And especially fast receivers, if fast receivers got past him in the first like eight yards, he was done. And that, that, that was something that, that bothered me tremendously. Like, down the stretch with him. However, then you'd, you'd start to see it and you'd get really mad. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Marcus Peters, amazing pass defense in the red zone. He's nasty in the red zone. He is nasty oh, yeah. in the red zone. But I, it's almost if, like, if you look at him, you know, Ed Reed would play just like a weird zone. Like, no one really knew which side he was going to go to. He would just kind of roam around a little bit and he would just kind of watch the quarterback's eyes and he'd make a big ass play. And then he did it so frequently that nobody would test him anymore. I feel like Marcus Peters kind of does that as a corner. Um, you know, there was one pick he had. Um, I, I think it was against the it was against the Rams that he had the pick six, right? Uh, it was against the Rams, if I'm not mistaken, and also the Seahawks. The Seahawks, first game, it, it was the Seahawks game. It was the Seahawks game. So that Seahawks game, he had this one pick where it was like very reminiscent of how Ed Reed would play, but only at a different position. It was almost. Bad thing. It was awesome. It was almost like he was playing a strange zone and looked like he was breaking to one side. And then the second that ball was thrown, he was right in front of it, you know, 10 yards to the left. And, you know, when he does also, things like that, it's phenomenal. Bro, you know, like, why the fuck did he throw that? The, the player that he was throwing for was like 10 yards off. Yeah. I didn't get that. I, I didn't understand it either, but hey, I'll take it. It was six points, you know, but first pick he threw all season. Yeah. Russell Will. Yep. Oh man, that that was I think, and I think people have forgotten about it, but I think that was Lamar Jackson's signature game of his career. That was the turning point of the whole season, in my opinion. Yeah, we, we definitely saw another level of energy and passion come out of that kid. That that you know we we didn't see that again the rest of the season. But like, and this is what aggravated me about the playoff game so much is that in that Seattle game the receivers were behaving exactly like they were in the playoffs. They were dropping everything. Um, Andrews had a case of the drops, couldn't catch shit. We were having trouble catching traction, running on the ground. Lamar was making some plays here and there. He was started throwing a little bit off target. When they came out at halftime after that game, they came out and they gave him some stuff that he's really good at, which like his money route is slants. Like he could throw slants, hitches, a little bit of screens here and there. They did just a little bit of that for him. And you saw that kid's confidence erupt. Like he went crazy. I, I really felt like in that Seattle game, Lamar Jackson beat an NFL defense by himself. The second half of that game, he just went ape shit. And, and like, I don't understand why in that playoff game that when they abandoned all hope way too early in that game, I don't understand why they didn't come out after halftime and try to do some of those confidence maneuvers and let Lamar do be Lamar. I don't, I don't understand it. And I'm not an NFL coach, so clearly that's not for me to 
to those aren't the decisions that I'm ever going to be able in a position to make. But I just don't understand why all season, if things weren't working, they did it with Houston against Houston. They started giving him a few confidence plays, and then all of a sudden, the whole game just broke wide open. You know, why did that not happen? And if I recall the Houston game correctly, it was a stalemate for almost the whole quarter, and then we just went the fuck off. Well, that that's what they did. And, and you know what? The Houston game was almost a very similar game plan. If you recall, when they played Houston, they came out throwing the ball a lot. And the throws were not great. You know, some of them were really nice, but they were being dropped. There was just a lot of, like, it seemed like an awkward game plan. But once there was a couple catches through the middle of the field, and maybe one catch outside the numbers, and Lamar broke one or two runs on his own. They just went insane because now they don't know what to defend anymore. And I don't, I just do not understand in this playoff game why. Like, do they not trust Gus Edwards to not, to, to, you know, Mark Ingram was clearly hurt. There was clearly some rust. There was clearly a lot of things happening, but why did they never go to what worked at all when the game was still within reach? Well, my view on it from going back and watching the tape, they did attempt very early on to do what got them there to the dance uh, that was doing the run. But what I noticed was uh, for some reason, Dean Pease wanted to act like a defensive coordinator and he actually got his defensive line to do what is called a pinch. He was able to get the defensive line. I'm not talking down to you. I'm talking to the audience. Um, he was able to get the defensive line to pull all of the offensive linemen together so they weren't able to open up the holes necessary for the run game to really, really get established. So using that pinch that they were able to pull off, especially on those fourth down attempts when uh, Lamar was trying to run it, they pinched and not able to all over. And those were stupid calls. You and I both agree that those should have been points being taken in two of those. However, pinch, no pinch. The Ravens are a team that says, you know what? You do what you want to do. We don't give a fuck. We're going to do what we're doing anyway, and you stop us. That's what they've done all season. Part of this is, you know, I have a little bit of a theory on one end, but pinching, uh, doing anything that they're doing on the D-line, explain to me how Gus Edwards had nine yards per carry and only had three carries in that game. Three. Explain that. It's 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 inexplicable, dude. There's no, you know, I get it. You're down. You stop relying on the run quite a bit. And I completely understand that. However, there's there's certain passing plays that work. How many screen passes were, were thrown in that game, in a playoff game? I know the answer. How many were thrown? I can't recall one. Zero. Yeah. How many slants were thrown in that game? There had to have been more than one. Three. I thought so. Three. And do you know what every slant was? Uh, big, probably two piece. Big fucking gains. Big ones. Yep. Three. We're throwing three. There was one after halftime, two in the first half. There was not one hitch route thrown. Not one. And you go look and you just you say, what in the fuck are you doing? Like, I get them to try to get the ball downfield. But if there's a confidence problem, I, I think that, Everyone in the world can see that what Baltimore Ravens did, whether they were on fire or not on fire, they still stuck to their guns and did what they were going to do. I think that in the first quarter of that game, there was a lot of shit that 
you know, there's a lot of 50-50 stuff in football that you can't prepare for, but it's going to go one way or the other. And, then, you know, penalties and, and, and silly shit. And I think that a lot of that stuff did not go in the Ravens' favor in the first quarter of the game. You know, the, the, um, the Mark Andrews drop that turned into an interception. Um, yeah. The horse collar on Lamar Jackson. It was very dating after the interception. I think the team just lost the win in their sails at that point, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it seemed it definitely seemed like a turning point, but I can tell you from being at the game, no matter what the team felt, every time that offense came back on that field, dude, that crowd was insane. Insane. And they did not stop until it was clearly out of reach. Dude, when the offense would step on the field, people were jacked. And when the defense was on the field, dude, you would think that, like, there was a terrorist attack from how loud the fucking stadium was anytime the Titans offense was on the field. It was nuts. And they didn't stop. Like they stayed behind this team all the way until midway through the third quarter where it was like, all right, now this is just fucking over, you know? And I mean, dude, I've been to a lot of football games in, in my life and I've been a season ticket holder for a long time. And I've never seen the stadium that like that energized, that loud, that pump. I mean, you could feel it in your blood. And like I said, it, I just did, I, you know, I remember in our group text, I was saying, I'm like, halftime's coming, man. I'm, I'm still confident. They came out after halftime, not doing anything that worked. They came out after halftime doing the opposite of what works for this team. And I, and I don't know, it's, it's still a head scratcher. You know, I can't say I'm bitter about it because this truly was an amazing season that I, I like, I feel like we're fortunate to get to see an evolution like this. Um, but if that game, if, if the Ravens would have came in that game and it would have been like 27, 27, 24, Tennessee, I'd have felt good. You know, I'd have been like, man, you know what? We just got our ass kicked. These are two very similar teams. They just, they just impose their will on you and and run time of possession. And you could easily say the better team won at that point. I don't feel like the better team won this game. I just feel like a team, one team came out and laid a fucking egg. I, I, I think the coaching staff laid a fucking egg. I think that the defense was atrocious. They couldn't tackle anybody. I think Lamar got in his own head way too early and started throwing shit all over the place. I, and I don't even think the weather conditions that were presented were favorable to a heavy passing game. You know, he, he made 69 passing attempts in that game. 69. Do you know how many times he dropped pack, back to pass? Fucking 76. There's not, there's no quarterbacks dropping back to pass 76 times. And you know what the other one, you know what the other seven times were, if there were 69 passing attempts, hits, hits, the fumble, um, sacks, like, I don't, I don't know. I have no words for it. I just really have no words for it. All right. We've officially hit the half hour mark. We have talked about the Ravens for 30 minutes. All right, let's move on. But. Next I'm, year, I'm still saying the Ravens win the division. I'm until somebody proves me otherwise, I'm gonna have to agree with you. But um, yeah, the Browns were not what we thought they were, or what I thought they were. They were what and, I thought they were. But uh, yeah. Um, and by the way, who the hell is this guy that uh, got fired from there? Who who's that head coach? I I think we posed this question a couple times. What is it like? Uh, I was told that I should know who he is, but I didn't I, just reason i don't know why michael saw tapan or something um yeah it might be uh, something to do in bathroom um i don't know 
Um, what was it? Uh, Michael Armois? No, 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 no. Um, Kitchens. That's a kitchen. Oh, oh, I was going to say Frederick Living Room, but okay. Um, yes, Freddie Goddamn Kitchens is no longer employed in the NFL. What a shocker! And nobody's picked him up as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback, as a uh, quarterback coach, as a water boy, as anything. Yes, so far. The, I believe he is with the Giants. Yeah, I'm gonna. They just signed him yesterday. Hold on. Pretty goddamn kitchen. If you add the goddamn when you type in it in Google, if you type in Freddy goddamn kitchens, it'll come up. It'll come up in bigger font. Oh, I, I thought it was going to bring up the uh, the faft. Let's see here. He's in a he's previously coached with the. No, he's he's not signed with anybody according to his wiki. At least. Hold on one second. I just read this article. Unless it never went through, it came to fruition. He came through. He was something. Some weird shit. This is riveting podcasting right here. Yeah, we clearly did our research. Uh-huh. Yeah, tight end. He's a tight ends coach for the Giants. Yes, hmm. according to ESPN four days ago. He is huh? the tight ends coach. I, I see this. Um, it's also on NFL.com. Did not see that coming. So he went from being the head coach to Do you know a- why that's not news. Because no one knows who the fuck Freddie Kitchens is, so no one cares. It didn't even show up in Google searches. Yeah, I had to dig for that, actually. The fact that you said Giants, I had to add Giants to the end of Freddie Kitchens, and then it came up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, their offensive coordinator is goddamn Jason Garrett, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, can I also say one other thing here? Yeah. Uh, like I said, Brandon, last time. I love you, Brandon, but I had to say it. Uh what I have to say this time, Tyler. <laughs> because once again, all my other picks were straight garbage. <laughs> but the two that I felt very educated about, I feel like I nailed them. Freddie Kitchens is the reason the Browns sucked. And I said that I thought they would win less than eight games, but they'd be in a lot of games. They're worse than I thought. Freddie Kitchens is clearly the reason that team was terrible. What do you think? I thought they were going to surpass what they did last year despite coaching, but I was clearly wrong. Uh, the coaching held them down. That, that was some shit play this year. God, I remember the game against the – did you see the game against the Patriots for them? Oh, yeah. It was- there was a shovel pass that uh, Baker tried to make. He threw it right to a fucking defensive lineman. <laughs> Right into the hands of him. The guy was like, thank you. And then he ran off. Dude, they. Why? Well, I, I believe what I said is that when you have that much talent, you've put together, you're trying to assemble a very intricate puzzle. And I don't think Freddie Kitchens is the guy to put that together. That being said, I don't know much about their current coach um, that they have. But if they can get this shit right uh, and they can this guy can learn to appease all parties. The Browns can be a threat. They have the talent on paper to beat anyone, but it's a matter of managing that because they've got some very strong personalities on that team. And, you know, I think Jarvis Landry, we are, you know, he's talked about frequently as a beast, but I think he's, he's a very, I think he's an underrated player. I think he's one, he's better than he gets credit for, you know, OBJ is a, is a beast. We know that, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, dude, they have, Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's filthy. You know, Baker, you know, he's can do some boneheaded shit, but he might not have had the person to work with. He's had Freddie Kitchens his whole career. You know? He's still got 
they still got an Njoku, right? Yeah, Njoku, he was injured throughout the season. Yeah, he came back off of IR, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, the game against Baltimore was his first yeah. game back, I believe. Yeah, they do. They definitely have the talent, but if you have no coaching there, then you got the Island of Misfit Toys. So I, you probably don't know much about this guy that um, they picked up as their head coach, but Tyler probably does. It's their, uh, it's the offensive coordinator from the Minnesota Vikings. He was the straight up offensive coordinator two seasons ago. He took over for, um, oh God, who was the quarterbacks coach from the Eagles that got promoted? The offensive coordinator. Um, yeah, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, but apparently I should know his name like Freddie Kitchens. But um, th- this guy, um, they they picked up the he was the offensive coordinator two seasons ago, straight up, and the offense was okay. But last year they brought in Gary Kubiak as a offensive consultant. So I feel like the Browns made a dumb move in getting this guy for their head coach because the offense that this guy had for his bread and butter was not his own. Yeah. And Kubiak is, is he, I I guess what I saw the other day is he's now the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. Yeah. That was, that was the only move they could make. Well, there was a brilliant move and a great move and a good move for Kubiak too. And, um, I think I'm pretty sure that any team in the league that was coach needy would have wanted Gary Kubiak. But I think that Kubiak has made it pretty clear at uh, this stage in his life that he's not interested in a head coaching position anymore. Um, I don't know if you recall, we had a discussion where I thought that this was way before uh, the move was made, but I thought Joe Flacco was going to go to Denver because of the Kubiak connection. Yeah. And then what the, I, I still don't know what the fuck happened with Kubiak and Denver. Uh, he didn't get along. It, it was apparently there was a difference in philosophy between him and that coach. And they, they am a, they, they, decided to mutually part ways. Um, and then he ended up as an offensive consultant. Um, and it was, that was right. But that happened right before they got Flacco. Um, I mean, did, did they have a falling out there in Denver or it still doesn't make sense to me? Like I thought him and uh, Elway were just thick of thieves. I think that there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of information about it. It was just whoever they had hired to be their coach and Kubiak just had like a very different, uh, a very different uh, philosophy in terms of how their offense should be run. You know what? I, I bet you I know what it is. Um, Minnesota, when he got there, he was able to bring his son onto the coaching staff. Oh, I'm sure that played a role, just like Dean Pease. Who not, didn't Dean Pease just retire again? Uh, you're going to make me fat check that. I'm pretty sure he did. Name wrong. Uh, Dean Pease is a former defensive coach. Yeah, looks like he retired. Yeah, so Kubiak, you know, I'm surprised he hasn't retired with all of the the health he's, health issues that he's had, and and he's a great coach. He's a coach that I admire a lot. Um, but you know, thank God he didn't end up somewhere like the Browns because I would not want to have to fucking deal with him and his run scheme with running backs like that. But the rest of the NFL is about to have to deal with Dalvin Cook, which is going to be if he can stay healthy, that's going to be that's going to be rough. That's what I was just about to say, and that's a big if, though. And honestly, running backs are a dime a dozen because nobody takes running backs in the first three rounds unless they're fucking studs like Christian McCaffrey anymore. So you can get somebody in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh round to compliment Dalvin Cook. 
And, and the guy they got now, I, I can't recall his name off the top of my head at the second string. He's not bad either. So they got a good one two punch. It's just they really need to get that uh, zone run scheme going like full speed if they really want to take advantage of that run game because they, they got bottled up a couple times this year. And they're, they're also going to have to get, um, they're going to have to play around with how they operate with their quarterback too because that zone run scheme with the way Kubiak does is very unique where he's, you know, he's using passes to set up a big run. He's doing a lot of different things and he's also using runs to set up a, a deep ball. And I feel like a, a quarterback like Flacco was ideal in his system. Um, you know, that being said, does Flacco end up with the Vikings as a backup? I don't You know, I doubt it, but he's somebody that knows Kubiak's system very well. Um, but, you know, I do I do want to disagree with something that you said. I think okay. that, that running backs being a dime a dozen, I think we're about to see another shift in that. Um, I think with what the Ravens did this year, with what Tennessee did this year, um, you know, the Ravens were the only one of those teams that I think had a quarterback that was that was different than the rest. But if you go and you look, the most successful teams this year were teams that went back to basics and ran the ball down people's throats. Very much so. And I won't disagree with you, but I think we're a year off to be honest. No, I don't don't think it's going to happen now, but we have a good four or five years where we're going to start seeing an evolution backwards. And, you know, the only reason we're not going to see it fast is college isn't doing it, doing it again. So, you know, college is developing these these, you know, ballers that just throw the ball all over the place. NFL defenses have to still be prepared for that. That was actually my reasoning. I don't know if you remember this or why I thought the Ravens would be so successful is that every team in the NFL is developing defenses that are smaller and faster to try to eliminate these these passing quarterbacks and eliminate take their game away. And, and that the downfall of the Patriots this year because if you look at their front four, their front three, they were all small defensive linemen. Nobody was big on that line. But they were t- the Patriots were tough to pass the ball on. Very tough. Oh, and, but then you go look at look at the teams like Baltimore, Seattle, San Francisco, Tennessee. These are teams that just ran the fucking ball. And, you know, as we're seeing a defensive shift, you're going to start seeing the offenses come back to this running. And that's why I think like the Ravens stand a chance of being good for a couple more years. Tennessee is going to be good for a couple more years if seeing if they keep Derrick Henry, uh, which they'd be crazy not to. Um, you know, San Francisco is going to be good for a couple more years because no one is going to, you know, let's talk AFC North. No one except for a team that is competing with Baltimore in the AFC North, no other team in the NFL is going to build a team specifically to stop the Ravens game plan when they're almost playing a different sport than the rest of the NFL. They're going to say, all right, the other 31 teams in the league are throwing the ball like crazy. Why would we lose to 31 teams when we, you know, we'll do our best to beat this one. But, you know, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense yet. But disagree with coming. Don't disagree at all. And uh, before I forget, because I will, I want to touch on that Titans thing one more time. Um, They have got a decision to make this offseason because I don't think they're going to be able to afford to pay both Henry and Tannehill. And quite frankly, Tannehill looked like he earned something this year. Yeah, I mean, he's a story, man. I mean, he he was the most efficient passer in the league once he went to that team. I mean, they're going to be insane. They're going to be insane to keep Mariota over him because literally they snapped another quarterback into his offense and crushed. Um, 
Tony Romo made the best point about the about the Titans, and, and it was in that Chiefs game where they lost. But it was like, do you see what they're doing? It was like they're literally just lining up. The defense is moving, trying to change things, and the offense isn't flinching. And then he said, he's like, you know what? They don't give a shit if you see what they're doing. They're just telling you this is what we're doing. You know what I mean? And, like, that's exactly what the Titans did. They just said, you know what? We're running the fucking ball. You could stack anybody you wanted up against them, and they were still going to run the fucking ball. You know what I mean? Like, they pretty much said, hey, guys, we're running up the middle. Come on. And then they do it anyway. You know oh, he I mean? was a pounder goodness. Henry has broken out this year. I mean, he's been in the league for a couple of years, but goodness, he had a hell of a year this year. Well, he got. I think he had a coach that understood how to utilize that kind of a player. And he he is a beast. He is just. I mean, there's no other words for that guy. I mean, he's. I mean, you put Tennessee. It, most teams that you put on the field, offense and defense, and both both teams, home and away, he's nine out of ten times the best player on the field. You know, the dude is an animal. But and I saw a picture uh, at the end of our game against the Titans in the divisional round. It was a picture of Ingram, and right next to him was RG3, and then right next to him was um, Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry's a tall son of a bitch. That's a big, burly bastard. Dude, at the game, there was one snap. I I remember my wife said to me, she's like, holy shit. And I was like, huh? And, like, dude, when they would would break the huddle, he's, like, bigger than their O-line. The dude's a giant. Yes, he's huge. And what I found hilarious was somebody had put a comment on this picture. It said, uh, referring to RG3 as the mother, it says, this looks like a mother introducing uh, their child to the father for the first time. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, it was, uh, God damn, that, that dude is fucking huge. And he's got a burly chest. He's just, you know, legs are fucking huge. Legs are probably bigger than my goddamn whole body. Well, if you're if you're Tennessee, who do you pay? I'm paying Henry. If I'm Tennessee, I'm not paying Tannehill. I'm paying. If I can only pick one, I think they're going to work something out, and they're both going to be in Tennessee. Well, there is a crop of quarterbacks coming in this uh, free agency that you could probably look to. So I would lean towards your decision there of saying pay Derrick Henry. Um, I'd also see if I could throw the transition tag on um, Mr. Tannehill be honest with you i think that Tannehill's found a home and if i if i'm ryan Tannehill, i'm i'm staying because he's got to start he has a starting job i don't think that there's any chance that mariota would you know would even be competing with him uh if that's if he's even with the team anymore but i think that Tannehill, you know went to the dolphins he sucked there he couldn't stay healthy he was poorly coached he's in I don't want to say he's late in his career because he's not really, but the dude's beat the shit. So he's on the later side of his career where typically other quarterbacks would start to be on the decline. You know, he's or could potentially be heading in that direction. And, you know, he's there. If I'm him, barring me getting a $120 million contract from somebody else, which is not going to happen with him, with everybody else that's available in the draft and things of that nature, I'm taking what I can get and staying with Tennessee. I mean, you just got – you just – want to play off two playoff games with that team, you know, and, and maybe I'll just do a prove it deal like one year, maybe two years, something small and stay with them, you know? And, yeah. and I would also with, if I were him, I'd want to play with Derrick Henry for the rest of my fucking life because look how good Derrick Henry made him. 
And Chad, your your uh, point of the one year, two year prove it deal, you got to think coming up, we've got uh, next year. It's due the collective bargaining agreement. Oh yeah, that could change the game. Uh, the year after, if I'm not mistaken, the television deals were up with like CBS, Fox, ESPN. So they're going to renew. That's going to have a shitload of money coming in. Uh, they're either going to renew or pick somebody else, and they're going to get outbid, I'm sure. So that's going to be a boatload of money coming to potentially to the players. So the salary cap's just going to keep going up and up. At this point, if I were a, a top-tier talent, I would just go for the smaller contracts and then really rely on that future. Yeah, I would, you know, one we're going to see it with is Pat Mahomes. I mean, he's going to be the telltale. I mean, if the if the kid wins Super Bowl MVP this year, it may be a it may pan out a little bit differently, but if I'm Pat Mahomes, I want to be franchised. You know. Yeah. I, I, I want to be franchised, wait for that new CBA because I firmly believe he's going to be the first $200 million quarterback that we see. That's a huge jump. I mean, you were talking about that earlier. I I think it, it, you I think he's going to cap out maybe 150. Uh, I, I, I really believe that he is that team. They have a lot of pieces and weapons, man, but you, he's, he's irreplaceable. He is irreplaceable. And, you know, they got lucky when he wasn't on the team and what, when he was hurt and won a game, whatever, whatever games they won. But they aren't winning a Super Bowl without him. You know, they're not even getting to the Super Bowl without him. And, you know, we watched this season where, you know, they lost their running back last year. They've they they can't run the ball for shit or not. Not well, at least they don't have a good running backs. They've got over the hill, washed up running backs. We saw at a point where Sammy Watkins was hurt and Tyreek Hill was hurt and he was still throwing like 450 yards a game and a shitload of touchdowns like the kid makes everybody around him so good that you're crazy to not pay him. And I, I genuinely feel like that's the cost it's going to be because there is going to be a quarterback needy team if that kid hits the market that'll say, you know what, everybody else is offering this kid 150, 160, 170, we'll give you 200 million. I, I just and I, I just think this was going to end up happening with him. And you know, I, I might be crazy and I'm probably wrong, but I, you know, I've got a a gut feeling that says that there's going to be a 200 million dollar quarterback in the next three years, and it's going to be Pat Mahomes. I think Pat Mahomes is going to be the gold standard moving forward as far as contracts are concerned. I, you got to think that's a huge jump. I think 130 is the highest paid right now for uh, quarterbacks. That's 70 million. You're talking there, Chad. Who who is the highest paid quarterback right now? It's Russell Wilson. Yeah, Pat Mahomes is going to smoke that deal. Smoke. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's not going to be 70 million over though. Um, I I would say 20. I, I think that's that's fair. 150. But um, at the same time, you are right. He is the heart and soul of the team. I mean, for God's sakes, I think he honestly gets bored out there because he's doing shit like no-look passes, left-handed throws. He's doing Harlem Globetrotter shit out there. Yeah, he is. I mean, like I said, I, I think the two most exciting quarterbacks in the league are Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes. And, you know, Absolutely. for for two different reasons, uh, I think. But. It's the same thing. We watched Lamar do some of that shit this year too, like throwing this sidearm stuff and like flipping under defenders and stuff like that, you know. But you know, if if it's going to be a game where you got to throw the ball, I'm taking Pat Mahomes every day of the week. And if it's a game where they got to rely on running, I'm taking Lamar any day of the week. But they're both just unbelievable, exciting players. And you know, next year is going to be interesting to see because the Ravens will have the opportunity to extend Lamar at the end of last season too. 
or at the end of the next season too. But I think Pat Mahomes is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken, correct? No, he's eligible this year uh, at the end of the season for his new contract. Yeah, about the end of next year. End of next year, yeah, he will be. Uh, he will be at the end of his fourth year, but you know they're going to get the option, so he'll have his fifth year there. But um, he's eligible for the new contract now. After your third year of employment in the league, you, you're definitely eligible. But like you said, man, what's what's the rush? And honestly, I think the only rush that's going to happen is if he becomes the NFL um, Super Bowl MVP, and which is quite possible. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's I think it's I don't even think it's possible. I think it's highly likely. It's it's quite, quite up there as far as chances. So if that happens, I think the Chiefs are going to be re fucking relentless and try to sign him like 30 seconds after he wins and goes to Disney before he even gets to Disney. <laughs> They're paying for the plane and the trip. Right. They may just buy Disney. Fuck it. <laughs> it might be cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Patrick Mahomes has also had a hell of a season, even though he honestly, he probably would have been MVP over Lamar if he had been healthy the whole season. But he missed like what, four games, something like that. Yeah, but I, I disagree with that. I, you know, Pat Mahomes, don't get me wrong. He's setting the league on fire with the stuff that he's doing. But, but so Lamar, Lamar, I, I don't think there's an argument to be made against Lamar where anybody else is relevant in it only because of the records that he broke. And, you know, the guy did something this season that we've, we haven't seen since Michael Vick, obviously, and we may not ever see again, period. You know, like the kid was insane. He was insane. And I think that we got a little bit jaded as Baltimore fans, but like I talked to like my cousin Trent who lives out in Utah. And when he was, he's dude, I love watching the Ravens and he's not a Ravens fan, but you have to think that like what he did and the way he plays and the excitement that he brought to the game, there's a lot of exciting players and I'm not taking anything from them. Like I thought that Christian McCaffrey, there was a strong argument to be made for him to be the league MVP, but you know, his team wasn't that great this year, but dude, I, when you look outside of Maryland at the impact that Lamar made towards the end of the season, there were other teams trying to mimic what he was doing. I mean, look at Chicago, dude, Chicago has, you know, shit Trubinsky. And they started running goal line plays exactly like what Lamar was doing and being successful with it. We we literally watched in one season a a kid in an offense make such an impl- influence on everything surrounding them that I just don't think the argument could be made for anybody else. I just don't. I, and, and you know what? Even if Lamar didn't win all the games that he won, I still think there could have been an argument at that point for him to be the MVP of the league. I got kind of pissed off when I saw the commercial for the uh, NFL awards this year, the Associated Press and whatnot on NFL Network. They uh, showed the picture. uh, They said, who's going to be this year's MVP? And they put up a picture of Lamar and then right next to him, a picture of Russell. I'm like, if that's the competition, that's a distant fucking second. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Russell Wilson had a phenomenal season. I know you hate him. But the the kid was very good this year. And, you know, if I were to look at it, I, you know, I would even say that Russell Wilson would deserve it over Pat Mahomes at this point because, you know, he just had it. He had an incredible year. Um, look, and, and he didn't have a lot of parts around him either. Exactly. That's why I don't hate him uh, anymore. I actually have a little bit of respect for him because he is that team right now. Oh, yeah. He, his offensive line is shit. Um, he's 
Tyler Lockett was his receiver, and he's pretty much done. Um, although that that new guy they got from the uh, second round last year got uh, the ripped fucking wide receiver out of the draft. Yeah, he's nasty. I had him in fantasy. Yeah, Metcalf. He uh he hell of a season. Um, other than that, he's gonna be even better next year too. And they had they got their running backs injured at the end of the season. They had to rely on goddamn Turban Time and uh, Lynch. Dude, they so, had, didn't they have like a backup wide receiver or something in the final game of the season that took over at running back until they got Lynch or like two games before the end of the year? I wouldn't doubt it because they were down to the third string running back at that point, and I think he got injured too. Yeah, he did. And I yeah, and you know, but again, I I think that. I think that Russell Wilson would be number two. And I, I just, I don't even think it's close, you know, and and maybe, you know, if Lamar wouldn't have broke Vic's record or things like that. But I mean, the guy led the league in, in passing touchdowns. He had more rushing yards as a quarterback than five teams had five whole teams. Didn't have as many rushing yards as Lamar Jackson. I mean, like when you start to think about those little numbers, the Ravens tied a record for least punts in the in in the NFL history. The least number of punts. You know, like those are the the stats to me that when I hear them, I'm like, holy shit. That's like what really wraps it into perspective for me of how like crazy that kid was. You know, watching him, you're like, oh wow, this is badass. But when you hear numbers like oh the Ravens past four games in four games, they had only punted like three times and RG three was on the field in both. And then think about the fact that Lamar put up the numbers that he put up and he sat out the equivalent of like a game and a half from being sat in the fourth quarter from destroying people and sat out the last game of the season. I mean, you got to think that playoff game that we had, I think we saw cook in that game more than we did all season. Oh, absolutely. I, we, we probably did more than the whole season combined. I mean, it's funny, like every week uh, when I had friends over uh, my buddy, Sean, my buddy, Brandon, we would sit there and we would watch the game and we'd be like, who's this guy? Number four, Koch, who is that? What's Hunter? Yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't want to keep talking about the Ravens, but I think that when it comes down to that MVP voting, I don't think there's an argument at all for anybody else. And, you know, feel free to pose the argument. Anybody's welcome to, but he's going to win the MVP. And, you know, I think it's it's well-deserved, and especially a kid that's that, that age. And by the way, that's at Chef Chad Wells if you want to send your hate mail to the Twitter machine there. Yeah, go ahead and do it. Big trust. <laughs> all right, so... uh the, we saw the game against the uh, the Patriots this season. That could have quite possibly been one of the last against the Ravens for one Tom Brady. What do you think? I don't know, dude. Um, if I'm using my head and thinking like a realist and, and what he means to that organization, I think Tom Brady is a Patriot again next year. Um, it makes sense. If I think that Belichick gets his way, which I'm not convinced that he does because Kraft obviously is the ultimate say. Um, if Belichick has his way, Tom Brady's gone. I, I think that he's been done with him. I think he's done with him now. Um, I think that I think Brady was, like I believe, like the number seven passer in the league. And I think that's even inflated because they had games where he had a lot of trash time. 
Um, you know, against the Ravens, I think he had two trash time touchdowns and like 250 passing yards after the game was well out of reach. Uh, he had the same thing when they played, uh, what was it? Houston beat their ass. Yeah. So it was the same thing. I mean, he had, he had, he had like two whole games worth of trash time. Yeah. He had Blake Bortles stats, you know, the, where he would inflate his numbers just in the fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that may be what got him. I mean, he clearly did not look like Tom Brady is supposed to look. He also, you know, we have to be fair in talking about this, you know, um, he didn't have the weapons they usually had. Oh, I'm going to stop you right there. That's um, bull. He, that also, he also got caught cheating a little earlier than they usually do. Say it ain't so. Um, but I, I don't think that he's, I don't think he had the weapons that he needed. He had some fucking good players. I mean, like there's definitely some good guys on that team. Their running backs were very good. Um, their O-line was suspect early on and got strong later. Uh, I think their defense was inflated by having a shit schedule. I don't think their defense was as good as they they looked, um, especially not their front seven at all. But their Tom Brady took a step down this year. Oh, he yeah. absolutely did. I'm I'm not I'm not saying he didn't. I'm saying though, the only thing I'm saying is that you know, the step down probably wouldn't have been as dramatic if he still had Gronk and you know, some of those bits and pieces that they've had, I still think he would have stepped backwards. I thought he looked like he was stepping backwards a little bit last year too. Well, you you can't really replace Gronk, but at the same time, you got a bunch of like what former first round, at least worthy talent picks in your wide receiver class. You've got Ben Watson, who's still a pretty damn good tight end. Ah, come on, man. And then I don't know if you saw noticed this at all. When Tom Brady tried to throw downfield this year, it looked like he was in pain. Like it looked like it. It was like his motion was really slow. Like you could tell what he was going to do. I think he would still pick you apart across the middle, but everybody knows that about him, you know. And the other thing this season too, man, he's always been known to collapse under pressure. It was worse this year than I think I've ever seen with him. There was one thing that I could always say about Brady. Um, Whenever he wanted to avoid like the edge and whatnot, all he had to do was step up in the pocket. And he was very good at that. He could not step up in the pocket this year to save his life. He was either petrified or he just could not make the physical move forward. He lost that step. Yeah. And, you know, like we said earlier, father time's undefeated. I mean, a guy, there's only so long the guy can play, period. And, you know, we're, we're definitely, if we didn't see the end, we are seeing the end. Um, you know, in real time, um, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of talk about where he's going to go. And and I think that by the, by the, the time the season starts, he's going to be in a Patriots uniform or he's not going to be playing at all. I, that's just what I, that's, that's what my gut tells me. Um, I think there's a lot of other places that he could end up that makes sense. You know, he could end up in Tampa Bay. You know, he could he could end up where closer to his to his wife and end up in and, you know, Oakland shit. You know, he could end up in a, or Las Vegas, wherever the fuck they're going to be next year. He could be with the Chargers in L.A. I keep hearing L.A. Chargers. That's everybody keeps talking about that. And they just announced what Thursday or Friday that they're moving on from Philip Rivers. Yeah. And, you know, that's sad, man. It's, you know, man. You know, it is what it is. The guy had a great career. I would have really have liked to seen uh, Rivers win a Super Bowl. Um, I think that he's he's been a good player. 
And you gotta figure that River saw the writing on the wall when he started moving to Florida. Oh yeah. And you know, he's you know, he might be a guy that that uh Tampa Bay looks at too. I mean, they got Tampa Bay's got to do something cuz Jameis Winston, man, that 30 for 30 shit. Holy hell, man. I mean, you can't you're not going to win like that. You take away half of those interceptions, they'd have probably been almost undefeated. I mean, Rivers did move to Florida, so it's not out of the realm for him to say hello to Tampa Bay. But um, I had to, I had the laugh the other day, Chad. Uh, somebody had made a comment about when Rivers moved. Uh, so he was commuting from San Diego every day to L.A. Yeah, they the uh, the population of San Diego took a major hit when Philip Rivers packed his family up and moved to Florida. <laughs> hey, man, he might start an expansion team with his family. Dude, he's got a whole fucking offense out there. He can ha- he can fill one side of the line, and he's working on the other. Yeah, <laughs> but dude. You know, what what do you think happens with Brady, man? Um at this point, I do believe he is either going to be a patriot or not play at all, but I could also see in the rear view in my peripheral uh LAC being an option. I, I really could. Um you got to think this is also a uh Giselle decision as well. So, if he's going to continue to play, it's going to be in a city where Giselle would thrive, would be happy. Uh, so you're not going to see her in like Cleveland uh, or any of those other shitty cities. You're going to see him in warm weather place. Like Miami is a possibility for God's sake. Um, I, don't, Brian- I, I don't, I don't foresee that happening. I, I just, could happen. I, I'm saying it's more likely than him going to goddamn Chicago. I think he's going to go to if he goes anywhere, he's going to go to a team where he thinks he has the best odds of being a winner. I don't think that Tom Brady gives a shit about cashing in one last time. He's fucking loaded as it is. His wife has more money than him. You know, I don't think any of that is relevant to him. I think that he's if he's going to play Maybe there's a part of him that says, you know what? I want to go to a team and not retire with a legacy of being a cheater, playing for a cheating organization, playing for this coach. I want to win on my own because I'm fucking Tom Brady. Maybe there's a part of him that says that. Maybe there's also a part of Belichick that says, I want to win without Tom Brady because I'm Bill Belichick and I can win without Tom Brady because there's always been that Brady Belichick thing. And, you know, maybe kind of, Maybe part of them wants to submit their own cement their own legacies. I don't know. You know, that's just some some you know romanticized bullshit. Because you know, at the end of the day, Tom Brady could be like, "Fuck you, pay me," and go play for the fucking Cincinnati Bengals. For all I know, but I, you know, I I tend to agree that if he goes anywhere, it's going to be somewhere where where his wife wants to be. I think they do have a home somewhere near L.A. as well. Um, oh, he in San Fran, didn't he? I I don't know. It's somewhere in California. Yeah. He- 49ers fan at least I know that much yeah so I mean I wouldn't be shocked if it happened but I, I would say that you know I'm still I'm still pretty dead set that he's re- he's retiring a Patriot and if that happens next year it's next year if not he's going to sign a one-year deal with the Patriots again well hopefully he gets a better send-off than like Drew Bledsoe did you know yeah well you know another guy who said he's mauling over retirement that I really don't want to see happen is Drew Brees I was just about to actually bring that up. That was my third bullet point here. The future of the Saints QB position that 
I'm actually pretty surprised at how well that QB uh, death chart is. And uh, moving forward, there is a strong possibility. It's it's going to be up to Breeze at this point. And I think there's only one option. He wants to stay in New Orleans. He doesn't want to move on. If they want him, they're going to keep him. Uh, they're going to give him whatever. They're not going to give him whatever he wants. They're going to give him uh, a fair contract for one year. And then uh, tip the hat, say goodbye at the sunset, and start uh, priming up Taysom Hill. Because you got to think, uh, if they move forward with Drew Brees for one more year, it's going to be uh, less and less uh, plays every game. He, he, they're going to start getting Taysom Hill on there more to play quarterback because that's the future of the team. Is Taysom Hill the future and Bridgewater the guy who fills the gap, or do they get rid of Bridgewater because Bridgewater is a free agent moving forward? Yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't know, man. I think they're gonna, re- they're gonna make a strong push to re-sign him because you got can't forget they won every game he started, and well, it's gonna be really hard because you gotta, you gotta pay Breeze, you gotta. Uh, we're going into, I think this is restricted free agent time for Taysom Hill, so they're gonna have to put a uh, tender on him, and it's gonna be a first is, round. Tender. I don't, I don't know that. Uh, Taysom Hill is going to even hit restricted free agency. Was he drafted or was he an undrafted? I uh, don't know, but I know for a fact that Taysom Hill, it's he's becoming a restricted free agent. Let me look up his spot track real quick. Because I know most um, most players that are drafted with the guaranteed contracts, they never get to see restricted free agency because of the option years that are included. He was undrafted, but he did sign a three-year contract, and he is a restricted free agent. So he'd be restricted because he was not drafted. But most most players that are drafted now, that's why we're seeing kind of the end of restricted free agency happening, because most players that are drafted, the way the CBA is outlined, um, they get those guaranteed rookie deals that last for four years with a fifth option or three years with a fourth option. I did not realize this. He was a Packer when he first started. Taysom Hill? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that either. But I mean, 2015, he uh, started with the Packers. What a fucking crime that was to not keep him. I want to see Drew Brees retire a Saint. You know, I think that I think San Diego did him dirty a little bit. Um, Imagine going to that franchise. Fucking Ryan Leaf and Ryan Leaf and Ryan <laughs> Leaf. Now, I. I really believed, I thought before the season, that this was going to be the year of the Saints. I thought all through the year, up into the playoff game, I thought that they were going to be unstoppable. I even thought that if it was a Baltimore-New Orleans Super Bowl, that New Orleans was going to win. Um, that's not a prediction I had pre before the season, but I did say I thought the Saints were going to win the Super Bowl this year. You know, if you would have told me they'd have, they'd have sucked that bad against uh, the Vikings, and that was shocking. Um, I like Drew Brees a lot. I, I When you talk about the best quarterbacks of all time or the best quarterbacks in the game, I feel like he has been overshadowed for a lot of his career by, uh, you know, Manning and Brady. I feel like he got left out of that conversation. But, you know, I think time and time again, he proves that he's one of the most consistent, reliable quarterbacks in the NFL. He is a, a the definition of a playmaker. He's a stand-up guy. He just seems like a class act. I'd hate to see him go out and go play for somebody else. I, I, I really hope that if he's going to retire, he does it as a saint. I'd love to see another season of him playing. You know, I'd love to see him come and cement that touchdown record to the point to make it real tough for anybody to surpass him. 
I concur. I, I love Reeves. I think he's one hell of a guy. He's a great person. I, the story of him even coming to New Orleans in the first place, he he just felt like a connection because it was right after the Katrina incident. So um, he just felt a connection to that community. He's done a lot for that community. He's um, honestly, you can't tell the story of modern day NFL without Drew Brees. No, I agree with that completely. And, you know, a lot of people do, sadly. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. They're, you know, they're not – this wasn't their year. You know, there could be the best teams in the league, and sometimes it's just not your year. I think the Saints were arguably one of the more complete teams in the league this year. Um, and I, I think that he he had a killer season, even though he missed a bunch of games. But, you know, he broke the touchdown record this year, which is, which is awesome to see. You know, I like the milestones that he has and, and you know, if he's going to retire, I, I I wish I would have known it a little sooner because I think I would have appreciated watching their games a little bit more this year. Man, I'm sitting here thinking about the past couple of seasons. I don't believe in luck, but God damn it. If it weren't for bad luck, they wouldn't have any luck in New Orleans the past couple of seasons. You got to think of the, uh, the Minnesota miracle uh, two seasons ago. And then uh, that pass interference situation with the Rams last year in the playoffs to end their season. Yep just freak last second things that separated them from going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they were the Super Bowl team last year. They were. And I and I thought that that was going to carry them all the way to the Super Bowl this year. They would have fucked the Patriots there. And up. you know, I could not imagine what it must have how pissed off I would have been if I were a diehard Saints fan after that game last year. I mean that it the NFL tried to save face and change a rule, which they really just put on paper because they never did shit with it all season. I mean, I honestly think that that replay system they put in place or the, the challengeable pass interference made it worse. I think it made the, the calls worse. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. And they, they, they're going to have to readjust that. It was sporadic and subject to the, the officials' uh, mood that day, basically. You know, actually, interesting you brought that up. The officiating crew from that Saints game who blew that uh, pass interference call, that's who's officiating. That's the crew officiating the Super Bowl. That is true. I did hear that, and that's uh, it's fucking amazing. You know who deserves to be it? It's an absolute disgrace. You know who deserves to be the referee every year in the Super Bowl? Who? Jerome Boger. Yeah. That's my man. Love that guy. Pass interference, number 67, <laughs> penalty, automatic first down. <laughs> Love that, man. He was our uh, referee for our Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 42. Yep. Speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, we should we should, we should should end with this, but what, what are we thinking here? Eesh. Uh, oof. You know, on paper, I think the more complete team is the 49ers but I think that the playmaker and the one that may win it all is Patrick Mahomes so I think gun to my head I'm going to say Mahomes is Super Bowl MVP and he wins it for his team I would love to say I disagree with you, but I don't. Um, you would love to do that. Uh, I, I just, I, 
there's a lot telling me from uh, looking at the, the matchups that the 49ers are going to handedly win this game. You know, they always say defense wins championships. The running game matters. Um, the Chiefs can't run the ball. Um, they're, they're not going to be able to run the ball in San Francisco. I think that the Chiefs defense through the stretch has gotten better. I think they're better than they appear because they were pretty horrific early on. Uh, the addition of Terrell Suggs adds add some leadership. Uh, you know, the, the guys still can play a role in setting the edge. I think that he can keep people like Mostert on the outside, uh, can keep him in and let the people on the inside do their job. So I don't think that San Fran's going to have trouble running, but I think that they're going to have to rely more on Garoppolo, and which would put it down to quarterback versus quarterback, essentially, and clear clearly the better quarterback of the two is Mahomes. The 49ers defense, I thought through the majority of the season, was looked better than they actually were because of who their opponents were. But then down the stretch, they played some very good teams. And I think that defense is the truth. I think they're legit. I think they're really good. I just don't think that they have anybody who can stop the speed that the Chiefs present. Um, they can just beat you in so many ways on offense and they can do it so fucking fast that, you know, I, I think that with a team like them, they throw traditional wisdom away of saying, all right, time of possession, keep the ball. Don't put it in Mahomes' hands. You're not going to keep the ball out of his hands for 60 minutes, you know, and I, and I think Mahomes might struggle a little bit early in that game. You know, I, I think that he might have some problems, but, you know, where I think the problem is, Chad. I, that's where I think the problem is. Uh, if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs get behind like they were in the past two uh, playoff games, what they spotted the Texans 21 points, you spot uh, 17 points or whatever to the 49ers, you may not come back. You may not. I, I, you, I, may, you, you may or you may not. I still, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I think, I mean, how are they going to stop? Like, how do you stop? First of all, how do you stop Travis Kelsey? How do you stop him? You don't. You know, if you look at both teams' offenses, there's two of the greatest tight ends in the game right now. It's Kittle and Kelsey. Uh huh. Kelsey is the better of the two. And I think he's better on every fucking level. How do you stop him? Right. There's your first thing. Now, if you can figure out how to stop him, how the fuck do you stop Tyreek Hill and Watkins and that rookie Robinson? How do you stop them? Like the way that offense is designed, the only time you stop the Chiefs is you can stop them and shut them down in the red zone a little bit better than anywhere else. But look at Travis Kelsey in the fucking red zone. You don't stop that guy. That You know what I mean? Like, you can sure as shit stop their running backs, but you can stop their receivers in the red zone. But the Chiefs don't they don't care about the red zone. You know what I mean? Like, if you look at their plays, they're a big, big, big play offense. You know, like they they'll they will they will throw the ball way downfield. And if they if you shut them out downfield, they'll make you pay over the middle and their yards after the catch are obscene. So, you know, I want San Francisco to win this game. It, believe it or not, like I'm rooting for San Francisco to win 
And the only reason I am is they play that smash mouth football that I really like to watch. I'm rooting for San Francisco. I just don't see it happening. I just don't, I don't see how they're going to have an answer for this. And, you know, I think that this is the best offense that they've faced. You know, they faced the Ravens offense, but this is like another side of the coin in terms of offense. I just don't see how they're, they're going to stop them. And, you know, I think the 49ers have the better defense. But I, I don't think that you can put the – they're not going to be able to put the, the game on Garoppolo's back. And I think that, you know, Garoppolo might beat him here and there a couple times, but he's not beating – he's not winning a game. Now, I think the uh, determining factor here is going to be San Fran's offense, believe it or not. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it. They relied a lot on the run this postseason. But if the Chiefs are able to stop the run – can you rely on Jimmy Garoppolo, who against the Vikings in the divisional playoffs uh, went 11 for 19 for 131 yards, a touchdown and an interception? And do, give a guess what his stats were for the NFC Championship against the Packers. I think he only threw the ball like eight times. He attempted eight. He completed six, uh, went 77 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. This kind of pisses me off. His uh, passer rating is 104.7 for that game. Well, like it's it's about efficiency, man. That's what they were doing with Tannehill. Make your passes matter. And his passes mattered. He didn't need to throw the ball. And Shanahan is that coach. If you, if it's working, we're going to do it. I mean, look what they did when they played in Baltimore. They ran outside over and over and over. They'll run the same play. It's like playing a five-year-old in Madden. If it's working, it's working. But what I'm getting at is, can Garoppolo actually do no. it put on his shoulders? No. Has he ever? No, he has never. He really hasn't. So what? What's going to make? What makes you think that he can suddenly do it in the Super Bowl? Let me just and look. He's at not. And, and and go go look at their schedule this year, and look at the his best games where he was throwing 300 yards, whatever. He didn't do that against a good defense at all this year. He but, only had. Two games, three games, I'm sorry, over 300. And that was against the Saints for 349. Uh, he threw 424 against, uh, take a guess on this one. I don't know. Cardinals. Yeah, Arizona, trash ass fucking defense. And he threw 300 against 317. Wow. Against the Cardinals again. <laughs> yeah, so games over 300 this season. His. Quarterback rating is a 58.8 on the season. In the playoffs, his quarterback rating is a 47.2. It's not good, man. It's not. He's. <laughs> I mean, how many touchdowns does he have? Uh, for the season, he has, let's see here, passing 27 and 13 interceptions. He has one rushing touchdown. Okay, so that's not horrible at all, which means he's super efficient with his passes. So yep. he's only throwing, but that that's also the the dreaded word. That's game manager status, dude. I mean, you know, he's a game manager. And they might just be taking steps with him, man, because, you know, we can still look at it in terms of, like, he's essentially a rookie. Even though he played for a couple of years, he's a rookie starter at least because he didn't really play last year. You know, and he did look pretty ridiculous the first season when he came in those last couple games for them, but... 
I don't think that he's the quarterback that's going to come out there and sling the ball and get into a shootout with Pat Mahomes and win. No fucking chance. You know, and I and that's what I think that game ultimately is going to have to turn into because they're going to have to the Chiefs are going to have to try very very hard to gas the 49ers defense early. And the only way you can do that is either by running the ball or dink duck shit all over the place. Or you just put it right over their fucking heads, give them the middle finger, and throw touchdowns. And, you know, the Chiefs, I feel like they're capable of doing any of those things except running the ball. Yeah, the the Chiefs cannot run the ball this season. Um, And they are not going to. And, you know, the the other thing, though, is that the 49ers, and this this is another aspect that tilts in the favor of the 49ers, though, their front seven's vicious, man. Like, they will get to Pat Mahomes. They will get to him. He will probably have a turnover or two in that game. And, ah, dude, what are you talking about? They got some guy named Bosa on there. What's that family done this year? Yeah, but I mean, you know, if they if they get to him and they get to him early, they can force some mistakes. And we saw that the Chiefs, they'll make some mistakes. They did it. But you know what? They haven't lost because of it yet. You know, sure. so, you know, I think that, that the 49ers could really, they're going to have to dom- They're going to have to play a complete game and they're going to have to play a perfect game if they want to win. And are they capable of it? Absolutely. This is two very well-coached teams, too. This The coaching is very good. I think this is actually a great matchup. It's legitimately like offense versus defense, you know, running offense versus passing offense. Um, you know, so, I like I said, I would love to see the 49ers win. I just believe that the, the Chiefs have too much firepower for them to stop. I, I agree 100%. Um, heard this on a radio show the other day think think about this you're uh sitting in dc right now and you're uh you're nursing your broken ass leg and you're alex smith who are you rooting for the team that replaced you with colin kaepernick or the team that replaced you with patrick mahomes i'm rooting for the chiefs if i'm him you know they they i think the 49ers fucked him yeah, they did him very dirty. You know the the Chiefs. I don't. The Chiefs didn't fuck him over. No, they they made it very clear what they were going to do, and and Alex Smith embraced it and taught Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure quite a bit. And Alex and Alex Smith got paid. So yeah, I don't think he really gives too much of a shit. But I did the Forty ers I I feel like they really screwed him. Like they, you know, the dude gets injured, injured after having a killer year. And was killer in the playoffs the year before and then loses his job and never even gets the opportunity to compete for it back. I, I just thought it was kind of shitty, but. Wasn't was, he leading in uh, quarterback rating before he got injured in 2012? Yes. He had the best quarterback rating in the league. He's that's honestly, he's this generation's Trent Dilfer as far as game management. But if that's the standard, then God damn it. He's he's he, he's bad. Yeah. He's better than Trent Delfer ever was, dude. I Like, I don't know. I almost question at times why he got that. He's just a game manager mentality, like, tag put on him because he's been better, man. Like, you looked at some of the games he won in San Francisco, man. Like, he won games. Like, he, he was a very solid quarterback, especially the year they were in the playoffs um, the year before Kaepernick. I think they played the Saints. Yes. He was just like had a nasty game in that. Like he was, you know, he was, he won the game, you know, like one of my favorite games to watch, honestly, it was like in the thirties as far as the score, 
Yeah, and, and just like, you know, when, when he had to play, he played, man. And I, I think he played had some good years with the Chiefs, too, if I recall. He had some decent – he had weapons on both teams, to be honest with you. I mean, when you're on a team with Frank Gore and you're able to establish the run in San Fran, then you're – you've got Crabtree on the outside. And um, Did they get Garcon out there? I can't remember. I don't remember who else he had. Yeah, but he had uh, – shit, Vernon Davis. Yeah, Vernon Davis was there. Yeah, at his prime, and that was a damn good tight end. Um, right. Now, but uh, – God, speaking of ain't shit now, he's still in the Redskins, if I'm not mistaken. What, what's going on, with him, man? What the fuck? I, if I was Rivera, man, I why would you even consider that job? Money. Even so, I you money. Know, I mean, you know, they keep talking about how they're trying to change that culture. I I'm just not fucking buying it, man. Like I, Dan Snyder has got to be the worst owner in all sports. I, there's just. There's there was this an ESPN thing I saw that was like scathing from a, a, one of their hosts who's actually a Redskins fan was talking about how like how embarrassing it is to be a Redskins fan and about how their stadium is literally not even a football stadium for the Redskins. It's just he said something like it's just a venue for other teams fans to come watch their football teams win. Like which is which is like when you think about that and being people that have seen this stadium, it, that's what it really is, man. Like, they can't even give tickets. Dude, they're doing things where, like, you buy a Pepsi and get five free tickets, essentially, and they can't get rid of them. Dude, I had my fucking speed limit when I was in D.C. last time because instead of getting a traffic ticket, they tried giving me Redskin tickets. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe they are. I think Jack... Then it ain't I, you know... Rivera and Jack Del Rio, that's going to be a fucking dynamite coaching staff. But to the naked eye, man, look how many good coaches they've fucked or they've just ruined. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Jay Gruden was a bad coach. Na- name a bad name a bad coach outside of like Jim Zorn that they've had. They've brought like big time coaches in there. They had they can't do shit with them. Yeah. It, it was it was an awful sight. Schottenheimer was there for a while. Uh, God, what, what was the? Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on this, and I'm going to get crucified for this one. Uh, the one who won all those Super Bowls for him. I'm looking something up real quick. Yeah, riveting podcasting again. Uh, Joe, Gibbs, Gibbs, yeah, Gibbs. They had Callahan, Shanahan, Gibbs, North Turner was there. Um, okay, maybe Norv was okay. Yeah, Norv was probably bad. Hold on, he was a Chargers um, head coach for a while too. Yeah, that's that. He was, that he was their coach for a long time. They were in the playoffs almost every year when he was their coach. That's one of those guys who was a much better offensive coordinator than they were head coach. To be honest with you, yeah, you so. I think Gibbs is probably their longest tenured coach. And he came back too. I, I think he's still got a thing for like uh like NASCAR or something. He's got a car that he owns through them. He's sponsoring a driver or something like that. Yeah. That's new passion. But uh he came back like in the early two thousands and they just he couldn't even save that damn team. All right, so in reality 
they've not had a good season. Since RG. The RG3 season was something, but not a great one. It was something. Um, So we can go back to 1970s. Six, 1969. Let's go back to 1969. Their coach was Vince Lombardi. What Oof. year... What year did um, Snyder buy the team? It wasn't in the 90s. Was it late 90s, early 2000s? Dan Snyder. Because they've had, I'm pretty sure that, uh, was it Rubisky was his first coach? Or was it North Turner? I think it was North. Um, Facility franchise. 2003 in, 19, in 1999 okay he uh got it from jack and cook in 1999 so, okay. so yeah, his first his first coach was north turner yeah so at north turner terry abisky marty schottenheimer steve spurrier joe gibbs jim zorn mike shanahan jay gruden and now ron rivera out of all of those coaches Norv Turner was the longest tenured, six years. After that, Rubisky, one year. Schottenheimer, one year. Steve Spurrier, two years. Joe Gibbs came back for, he was there for four years, or three years, I'm sorry. Jim Zorn, one year. Shanahan, three years. Gruden, five years. Like, the average shelf life of a coach, when you factor in all those ones, is like two years with that team. And I don't think Ron Rivera is going to be any different. And it sucks because I have a lot of respect for Rivera. I think, um, hell, I I think his playing days were pretty damn good. And uh, he wasn't a bad coach for Carolina. And they, even going up the chain, he was a good uh, defensive assistant. So he's had a hell of a career. But honestly, like I said, man, I would not have taken that position. I feel like he could have been offered another position and taken it for another team, but he just went with the first one that offered him something yeah. and they probably throw him a shitload of money. Man, I'd have fired Jim Zorn's ass too, man. That motherfucker was 12 wins and 20 losses. I've seen coaches with worse records. Yep. Dude, Gruden was 35 and 50. It's closer than I thought, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's just crap, man. He had one tie. Yeah, man, they suck. They well, suck. they did make one decent decision this past season, uh, off season, and that was to get rid of their uh, vice president of uh, whatever the fuck that uh, position is, uh, Bruce Allen. He was basically the OGM, and they um, they repurposed, reassigned uh, Doug Williams. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the the former quarterback of the team, Doug Williams, was actually their general manager or uh, one of the people in the main office. Um. He got reassigned to another position within the Redskins organization. So I think they're still looking for another GM or they have recently picked up another GM. I haven't looked into it too much because I like to keep those guys far away from me. You know, the other. Wait a minute. Josh Woodrum is a is a Redskins quarterback now. Sounds about right. I just want to see. Okay, so. Yeah, he was. Um, 
He was in the QB room when Alex Smith was uh, coming by and giving all his opinions and whatnot. I think he's third string. All right. So since he brought, since he bought the team, you want to hear something insane? Yes, I do. All right. Since 1999, Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson, Jeff George, Tony Banks, Jeff George, Shane Matthews. Um, Damn, 2002, they started Shane Matthews, Patrick Ramsey, and Danny Wereffel. I don't even know the fuck he is. 2003. They, um, these are, every time, every name I'm saying, this isn't first string, second string. This is who they started that season. 2003, Patrick Ramsey, Tim Hasselback. 2004, Tim Brunel, Patrick Ramsey. Or Mark Brunel, Patrick Ramsey. 2005, uh, Mark Brunel, then Patrick Ramsey. 2006. Mark Brunel, Jason Campbell, 2007, Jason Campbell, Todd Collins. They We're getting had, close to Grossman. So 2008 and 2009, Jason Campbell was their starter for uh, for two years straight. Then 2010, Donovan McNabb, then Rex Grossman. 2011, yeah. Rex Grossman, then John Beck. 2012, RG3, Kirk Cousins. 2013, RG3, Kirk Cousins. 2014, RG3, Kirk Cousins, Colt McCoy. 2015, 16, 17 was Kirk Cousins. That's the most consistent quarterback that they've had. They had three three years of the same starter. Was was it since uh, Snyder has bought that team? 2018, Alex Smith, Josh Johnson, Colt McCoy, and Mark Sanchez. 2019, Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, and Colt McCoy. They've started like 35 quarterbacks since 2000. They're rivaling the Browns now. Yeah, they, I mean that's just obscene. So they're, of course they're not going to fucking win like this, you know. Like they've made nothing good. The best quarterback they probably ever had is Sammy Ball in nineteen thirty-seven. Yeah, I mean, like just oh, oh, you talk about garbage. It's not even worth talking about. That's Sonny Jurgensen. Honestly, uh, two out of three of their yeah, two out of three of their quarterbacks. That they won the Super Bowl with weren't that good. I mean, Doug Williams, average at best, in my opinion. Um, the fuck was the other guy's name? Mark something or other. Uh, Mark Rippin. Rippin. Yep. Yeah, that was just the eighties and nineties equivalent to Joe Flacco. It was really good at the uh, deep ball. That was. Um, God, he was a MVP of the Super Bowl too. That's. Fucking amazing to think about, but um, yeah, Joe Theismann was pretty, and it's amazing. Gibbs is the only guy who's won three Super Bowls with three different starting quarterbacks. Who was the third? Was it was it uh Theismann? Was it Theismann? Yeah, my God, man, this has been just disgusting. Were you just about to say Gus Farad, man? That, no, that's a- I, Gus Farad played for them. Several years left and came back. I just I just pulled up their history of quarterbacks again. I I just I forgot about that name. It, oh God, he was awful. Yeah, man, fuck that team. <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, team. And everything they stand for. I mean, God, the the stadium is shit. Uh, honestly, they could probably go back to RFK and have a better time there. Yeah, the parking is horrific. The football's terrible. The ownership sucks. So it. Right now, it's like what San Fran was about five years ago. They're, they're nobody showing up. Nope, and they're not going to because they're going to be terrible again. 
I don't blame him at this point. I mean, it's it sucks to be a, a diehard Redskins fan, which I'm not sure even exists anymore. But oh, they do, man. I live in Redskins territory. They definitely exist. I feel bad for them, man. Like a lot of like a lot of people I know are like, I keep telling them, I'm like, come to the fucking dark side and start watching the Ravens. They just won't do it. I work with a lot of people being where I am that are Redskins fans. And even some of those guys are like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to start uh, wearing a little more purple. <laughs> they should. They should have done that a long time ago. Yeah. And not that. Ninety-six. <laughs> All right, man. So with that, I'm about to sign out here. Yeah. You've got a oh, goodness. Um, for those of you that don't get up at four in the morning. Yeah. It's midnight here. Uh, for those of you that don't know when we're taping. Um, sorry to keep you up this long. God, how long did we go? Um, uh, hour and 39. Appreciate your time today, man. Uh, yeah, man. Have- we got to do it more often. I'm sorry that we haven't had the time to do this to everyone, all two of you that listen, man. But, uh, we're, we're going to get on it. Uh, we did this a lot in the, in the off season. And I think that we'll be doing a lot more of it in the off season again, too. And, and, uh, I look forward to us putting in some more time and, and, uh, actually putting together formats like we're used to, you know, we just, it's been so long since CJ and I got to shoot the shit that we were like, Hey, let's do it tonight. Let's just talk some shit. Super Bowl is coming up and we haven't done this almost all season. So uh, we'll be back at it again soon. We'll get some good guests, uh, things of that nature. And uh, we'll be rocking and rolling again soon. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I, quite frankly, I feel really bad that I didn't get a chance really too much this season to do much of a podcast, but I guess we're more of an off season team. It seems like, so we'll uh, we'll put together the best content we possibly can going into the off season. I somehow have got more time now that I can work with the podcast. So I'm going to do what I can for you guys and pump out as much content as possible. Going to try once again for once a week, maybe twice a week if you're lucky. You can hear my beautiful, sexy chocolate voice all through the off season. And uh, Chef Chad is always welcome on the show, as he always knows. Um, We'll see who we can get as far as a guest moving forward. Looking forward to what we're, we've got coming up this offseason. We're going to talk free agency. We've got the draft coming up. Uh, we'll talk about the fallout of the Super Bowl next week. We'll see what uh, happens moving forward. Who's the Super Bowl MVP? Uh, got a feeling I know who's going to be on the cover of Madden coming up. Yeah, me too. And I got a bad feeling about that moving forward. I don't. I hope that he's the one that turns it around. Break the curse. Yeah. Because it even happened to Patrick this year. He was out for what? Four games? Yeah. Even if it's a little curse, it's yeah. still. Ain't happening to number eight. I fucking hope not, man. We, God. I almost don't want him to be on the cover just for that. If it's a, truly a curse. Don't care. Neither does Lamar. Big trust. He, he just wants to go to the Super Bowl. That's all he's thinking about. Big trust. Big trust, motherfucker. All right, guys. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, We'll uh, tune in next week. And Chad, you have a good night, buddy. You have a good night, and I will catch up with you soon. Good night, everyone.